Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on News Talk 1180. My name is Susan Rocco and I'm thrilled to be back to work as I'm sure many of you are. Uh, we are still thinking about the people um, out there who were affected by the hurricane and hoping that things get back to normal for them very soon. Uh, before we get started today, I'd like to give a quick shout out to uh, someone who I believe is going to become my most favorite sponsor, and that would be my husband, Chip Rocco of Carmen C. Rocco DDS in Lansdale. Um, we are a family dental practice that was founded in 1952 and still going strong today. And um, I would be neglectful if I didn't bring him up on the show today. Should have done it weeks ago. Um, anyway, let's get started. Um, in the studio today, we have Aaron Cochran. And Aaron is the creator of Revealing Redesign. And we're going to talk today all about beautiful spaces and how we can transform our homes uh, and our lives with Aaron's help. So welcome to the studio, Aaron. Good morning. Hello. It's Hello. great to be here. So glad to have you. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about your background before we talk about your business. And I would love to hear um, where you grew up and, and where you went to school and, and how you got started sure. in this field. Yes, well, I am a, a longtime resident of Pennsylvania. I grew up in Media, Pennsylvania. I was actually born in Baltimore, Maryland, and I moved to Media when I was in third grade. And I went through school, most of my schooling, in the Rose Tree Media School District. Um, and have lived in Pennsylvania since then and continue to. I live in Bethel Township now um, in Delaware County. And um, I also went to college at Newman University. Well, now U Newman University used to be Newman College. Okay, right. Uh, um, back when I went there. Right. Um, so I've, I've lived here a very long time. Um, I... I went to Pencrest High School and graduated, and then I thought I was going to go off into the big world at that point and leave home, but I guess, you know, thing, fate has its way of changing our plans. Right. Um, my senior year of high school, my father passed away, and then right as I was starting, I, I changed my mind about where I was going to go to college. Um, I wanted to be closer to home because of his death, and then... Um, Right after I started college at University of Delaware, my mother became ill and oh. died also um, in January of oh, that. I'm sorry to so hear that. my life really took a turn, and I ended up at Newman College studying nursing, another thing I never thought I would do. Okay. Um, but because of my life experience with their illnesses and deaths, um, I suddenly felt like I, I wanted to help people with the in the medical field. Right. But up until that point, I'd always been a very creative person. I'm a vocalist. Um, always very involved with the arts and theater and things like that. And then people around me sort of scratched their head and said, you're going to go to nursing school? <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I went to Newman College, and I loved it there. Um, it was a very nurturing place to be. It's where, such a difficult, where is Newman College? It's in Aston, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah, in southern Delaware County. Okay. Um, it was a small Catholic college at that point, um, not yet a university. And it was a... a formative place for me. It was very helpful because it was a small, small classroom environment with so many things in my life in flux. So and do you have siblings? I do not. Well, I have I have stepbrothers. Um, um, but I am the only natural child from my parents. Marriage. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after I became a nurse, um, I worked for a number of years in the field. And then um, when it came, when I wanted to have children, my husband and I had our first child. I left the workforce and stayed home in 1998. Okay. So, and um, in 1996, my husband and I bought an old farmhouse in Bethel Township, which is where we still live, um, a house that needed a lot of work. The original part of the house was uh, the foundations from 1778. Wow. And uh, my husband, when we went to look at the house, it had a like a warren of very small rooms and low ceilings and I mean all the things that are charming about a colonial house um, my husband immediately fell in love with it I wasn't so sure right. <laughs> um, Charm, I, but a lot right, of work a lot of, a lot of work and it, it sort of didn't have the open feeling that I wanted it didn't have some of the modern things that not that I wanted modern but I wanted to feel like there was more elbow room or something. And right. the house had an odd layout where you would, that when the house 
the house had been a farmhouse, so all the land around it had been developed in the 1980s. So we were looking at this house in 1996. Um, and since the development had been put around it, the house no longer faced the street. And, you know, that it's sort of, a little it was strange. You would pull up to the sort of like the side or the back of the house and come up into the house through this long staircase um, and sort of stand there at the top of the steps and think, well, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> where do I go from here? <laughs> right. um, and my husband laughs because that was my chief complaint about the house. Like you, co- you feel like you're going into a tunnel or something. So <laughs> he loved the house. He felt it was a house that we could work on together. So we bought it. And um, over the next several years, and then after I, I left work and was home all the time, we slowly worked on it ourselves and uh, worked with what we had. We didn't have the money to add on to it. And so we had to sort of figure out how to make the house work for a growing family in modern day life. Right. So I think that was really the seed that started the idea for my business because we had all these little rooms. We had, it was supposedly a four bedroom house. Two of those bedrooms didn't have heat. Oh. One of those bedrooms you had to walk through to get to the other bedroom. Um <laughs> There was no master bedroom with a bathroom, all of those things. So we had to sort of sit down and figure out how to use the space that we had and reconfigure it because we didn't have the money for a new foundation and new walls and new roof. We had to um, reorganize the space we had. So I did all the drawings for that, came up with all the concepts, and it really just totally changed our house. Wow. And um, did now, you have any assistance at that time? I mean, we and were you still nursing? Were you working? I was in still field? working as a nurse. And then um, in 1998, when my son was born, I I started to stay home full time. Okay. And so I had, you know, when he would take his naps and things like that, which you know, unfortunately, wasn't often enough. He didn't right. like to sleep as a baby. <laughs> I never do. <laughs> no, I would sit down and you know pour through magazines and come up with sketches and ideas. And we had a good friend who was a carpenter, and he helped. I bounced ideas off of him and uh, came up with the whole thing. Wow. That's, yeah. That's incredible. It, I, I'm very proud of our house now, and yeah. it's it's a wonderful place to be, Yeah, well, even and, during a hurricane. And, <laughs> oh, good. It's still standing. It's still standing, yes. 17, what was it? Yeah, 1778. 78. Mm-hmm. It's still standing. That says mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I can see why you were so comfortable coming into our space here today. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> this is like practically brand new compared to my house. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, you know, let's go back a little bit. When... Mm-hmm. Uh, Back when you were in school, um, I'm, I'm always curious to know if there was somebody um, in your life, and you mentioned the passing of your parents, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, and I'm wondering if there was someone in your life that helped you to have the courage to go after something that you really had no background in. I would say that would be my husband. Aww. My husband and I have been together a long time. We got married when I was only 19. And uh, he he has always been such a tremendous support. And he's always been a person who uh, believed in me in every way and looked at me and said, sure, you have the gift to do it. You should just go for it. And what is his background? What does he do for a living? He works at a company in Pensacola, New Jersey. He is an audio disc engineer. Um, so he he makes CDs. Oh, okay. He, um, yeah, he makes the the templates to make mass-produced CDs. Okay. And DVDs. Right. So, yeah, and he's worked there a long time. Okay. An optical disc engineer. Excuse me, I said the wrong thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be mad at me I later. can't help you with that at all. <laughs> um, so, was there a natural progression then? Did, did friends of yours uh, come to your home and see what you were beginning to do and start asking for help and advice? And how did that come about? Pretty much. I, I, you know, that always happens when you have a gift for something. People will say, oh, what do you think about this? And um, my kids have always grown up. They think it's normal to go to someone's house and start moving their furniture and help them. <laughs> <laughs> they tend to do right. that without asking. They, they sort of roll their eyes. Oh, there goes mom again. She's going to move the couch and help people rehang their artwork and rethink their home. <laughs> without asking (laughs) well usually they're asking me to help and I'll say well what do you think about moving things around and some people are very open to it because a lot of times people just don't really understand what's in their way of making it feel better right right. so you know furniture placement is very important oh it it is yes yeah it really is so but yes people have asked me that for many many years and it's always I love doing it I'm always ready to move furniture so tell me, tell me who um, your first real job was with. 
Let's see. First paying job, I guess. I'm I, sure you did a lot of freebies yeah, for friends. I'm so. trying to think. I think that one of my very first clients was a mom uh, from another boy in my son's kindergarten class. And she had just moved into town and had a big new house that needed paint colors selected and all kinds of things. And I remember telling her, well, I'm starting this business. And the next thing I know, she called me. And there I was. There's always that first call. Uh, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. And she's still a client of mine to this day. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Now, how about finances? Was there so- Who helped you with, you know, running your own business is... Um, is not always easy when it comes, you know, the the design work and the creative right, work for right. you is the fun part. But right. actually running a business, how did you learn how to do that? Well, it was um, trial and error. There was many times when it was rough. I didn't make a lot of money right away. It took a long time. But luckily, I had the ability to slowly build my business. I didn't have to sort of hit the ground and make, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in the first year. I could, my husband was very open-minded. As I said, he's always been very supportive. So I slowly worked through the whole thing. And um, I'm very, very, I feel very blessed that I was able to do that. Okay. And do you have for, I always ask this for women that are listening and Mm -hmm. are contemplating starting their own business. What are some advice, some tips rather that you could give to them to Kind of jump, you know, get that f- that first step and get going. I would say that for me, the most important thing is to do things, to find a business that you can work in that you would work for free, which, I mean, of course, is not your goal. Right. You're supposed to be making money. That's the whole point of business. But there's going to be a lot of time that you're going to put in um, that isn't necessarily going to be financially rewarded immediately. Right. And if you're doing something that you love to do, even when you are making money, it doesn't feel like work. Um, so I think, and not only that, but I think there's a certain energy that you have when you're doing something that you love so much that draws people towards you. So, I mean, of course, there's always aspects of a business that you're not going to enjoy, and you um, hopefully will find people to hire to do those things so you don't have to do them. Right, right. Um, like I have a an assistant and bookkeeper who is my right hand. That was my next man. question. Yes. You know, do you have help? I do, I do, and that makes all all the difference in the world. Um, But if you spend the majority of your time doing things that are really true to who you are and things that you love to do, it makes a tremendous difference. I really think it draws the world to your doorstep. I I think that's very true because Mm -hmm. then you're putting out kind of a a very genuine um, work ethic and and people And people, people look at you and they see, I think, that you are able to solve the problem that they have. They look at you and you sort of, because it's something, a big part of who you are, you kind of embody the solution they're looking for. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that you you um, you don't have an education in this. Do you I ever do consider going back to take any kind of courses or classes in design, or do you feel that you're I, I have thought about that over time. Um, I haven't, I took a, a small class at a community college when I was first starting about design business and how to charge and things like that. But I haven't felt the need to go back and take a true design course. It seems like I'm able to give my clients exactly what they need based on just, you know, working with them and listening very carefully and working through the the problems they have. Plus, the way that I work is so very different than a traditional interior designer. Um, I really um, stress the importance of, um, instead of, like, in terms of an interior designer, a lot of times... The focus is on purchases for the room um, and lots of furniture, maybe window treatments. And those things are all important, and we do get there through the process that I use as well. However, where we start, where I start with my clients is sort of listing their frustrations, talking about what isn't working in their house, um, what purpose they want each space to have. And what is really, really different is we then talk about we go over that purpose and how they want the room to feel or the whole house and then really see what it is that's standing in the way of that happening and a lot of times it's a lot of stuff it's a lot of clutter a lot of things that are just sort of hanging out Um, so we go through the process of decluttering and some people don't have a lot of clutter some people have a tremendous amount but that is such a huge step forward for where you live is to get rid of the stuff that's in your way of accomplishing what you want to do. Right. I think um, 
very often people don't even realize that the stuff that they have around them is really affecting them every day. They it's have the no idea until you remove it from a space. It's, it is truly a burden lifted. And a lot of times we have things in our homes, we look at them and we, um, we think about maybe Aunt Matilda gave us that and we really shouldn't get rid of it because it was, you know, given out of the goodness of her heart. But you look at that thing and maybe you feel guilt or maybe you, you just don't like it, but you're still, you have it in your house. And, and it's at, not making you feel good. <laughs> right. And, you know, I've heard people say that you should only have things in your home that make you smile. And I, I believe I that's that. true. So when you look around your house, you see things that just warm your heart, that right. they don't make you feel obligated, guilty, sad. You should look around and feel uplifted. So that must be a part of the process for you when you go into someone's home and you can see that perhaps there's just too much stuff. Mm-hmm. And and how do you, um, uh, I guess, what questions do you ask them to determine if decluttering is really going to be beneficial for them? Well, if I know that we're going to be decluttering, I bring my big Rubbermaid bins and they're labeled. There's one that says elsewhere, one that says donate, and one that says trash. So we start the process, and the most important question that I ask them is, do you love this, as we pick up each item? And they'll say, well, I like it. (laughs) And that's not (laughs) the the answer I'm looking for. If you really love it, then you get to keep it. And and then we have to talk about what does it fit the purpose of the room that we already already have talked about. Right. and if you use it a lot, if it's a very, I mean, you don't really love your kitchen scissors, but maybe you use them all the time. Right. So, right. I mean, right. I, I get Good that. Good point. Right. Yeah. So those are the things that get to stay. If they, if they are going to help you accomplish the purpose that we've talked about, if you love them and if they're very useful, everything else is going to go to charity. It's going to go to trash. And then the thing that's most helpful, I think, when people go through this process is the elsewhere bin. Because so often when we're cleaning out our houses, we think, oh, you find a Christmas decoration and here it's April. And you say, oh, well, I should really go put this in the attic. All the Christmas stuff has been put away. So then you go to the attic and next thing you know, you found something else in the attic that you meant to do. And you're off doing that and you've totally forgotten the first place you started. (laughs) I think they call that ADD. (laughs) (laughs) It's very easy to do. So if you have the elsewhere bin, when you find those Christmas lights or something from your son's room or whatever, you're going to put it in the elsewhere bin and put it all away at one time so that you're not traipsing all over the house, you know, on these errands that you're never going to come back from. Right. (laughs) Yes. I think, gosh, so many of us do that. Uh, Everybody does it. You, you, you. you find yourself going from one room to the next right. room to You're the like next a ping room, pong and you ball. haven't accomplished right. a thing. Right. I do it's that all the time. I, I do too. <laughs> it's very easy to do. Very, very easy to do. Oh my goodness. So, and all of us really, Sue, have too much stuff. I mean, it's just we a do. part of being in America. We have an abundant lifestyle, which is a, a wonderful blessing. However, it's a lot of stuff. It and is. stuff takes time, takes management. You have to take care of it. Yeah. And I would tell you, there's, there's often a battle between two or more people in a household where one really needs, you know, their open space and no clutter and the other kind of feels comfortable with having these things around them. Any advice for that? Well, I have to deal with that a lot. And I think that my psychiatric nurse background has really helped um, to be the mediator. And a lot of married couples, I'm between the two trying to help make peace. And I think to some extent, it's it's sort of a joke. I'll say to people, if they're really upset with their spouse's Lots, lots and lots of stuff and they're frustrated they're you know sometimes it's a case of you spot it you got it that a lot of times we like to focus on the other person's stuff and sometimes you know the husband or the wife will be in the habit of keeping their stuff out but a lot of times if somebody else's stuff is bothering you a lot of the time you probably have a lot of stuff too that you need to get rid of but you might not have it out or it's you know visible right right so it's kind of helpful just to start working on your own stuff and then let the other person sort of work in the way that feels comfortable to them so that it isn't becoming a battle between the two of you right or they're, it, or they're learning by example they're seeing right you. and it's sort of getting with the spirit of the whole thing I mean usually one person in the relationship is more resistant because they're afraid that they're going to be bullied and they're going to have things happen that they really don't want they don't want to get rid of certain things and maybe I'm going to be manipulated in this and they feel like they're going to be bulldozed but 
once they see the processes going along and you're minding your own business and you're taking care of your stuff, then maybe they'll say, oh, well, you know, this isn't so bad. This is actually making things better around here. It feels better in this room. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Sometimes that conversation is hard to have and it is better to actually do something and let somebody feel the result. Definitely. Rather than try to, you know, because the, often they'll take it as criticism. Absolutely. If, and it's never good to impose something on someone else. If you feel the need to clean out, go for it. Clean out your stuff and you'll feel better. If the other person that you live with doesn't feel that way, so be it. I mean, that's hard. But, right, but right. you know, you have to deal with it one day at a time. I know with children in the house... I mean, that is very difficult. Having children keep up their rooms, thats it's a battle in my house. My oh. house is very far from perfect. And, you know, when my kids can't find something, they'll say, oh, mom must have thrown it out. You know, she's always getting rid of stuff. I did not throw it out. I do not throw out your stuff without your permission. Um, it's because your room is a mess. Yeah, it's <laughs> you, a if you start place. cleaning it up, you'll find it. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. I say that to my kids all the time. Yes, just start start picking up. You'll right, find it. Exactly. Yes. You know, we'll have to talk about, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, peop- families and mm-hmm, homes and, mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. But I know that you also do commercial. And I do. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Tell me, how, um, how long have you been in business? When did you actually launch your business? Well, I guess officially it was 2006. So about okay. six years I've six been years. in business. Yes. It, it's hard to believe that. <laughs> Time flies. It does. Yeah. It does. But it's been a, a lot of change. I've definitely grown each year. And do you do uh, work specifically in, in the Garnet Valley area, media area? I go or all, all over, over, all over the Philadelphia area and even into Delaware. Yes, okay. I work all over the area. And how do you get your, find your customers? A lot of it's word of mouth. Most of it is word of mouth, which is great because I know that my clients are very happy and they're telling other people about me. That's right. If they're referring, then they're happy. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's mostly, it's mostly word of mouth. Okay. And my clients, almost all of them are repeat clients, which is such a blessing. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. They always come back, which which is such a blessing. Right. Um, okay. I think we're going to take a break for our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to hear all about the services that you do and exactly uh, what your business is all about. Great. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. I am unwritten. Can't read my mind. From Willow I'm Grove unwritten. to Westchester, Pottstown to Philadelphia, it's News Talk 1180 WFYL. Is your online store cluttering your house and garage with your product? Does it require you to spend all your free time shipping packages, leaving you no time to work with new customers or develop new marketing initiatives? Now is the time to free up your space and time and let ABC Fulfillment provide you with cost-effective warehousing, order processing, and shipping for your products. Our 20,000 square foot warehouse is conveniently located in Ambler, PA. ABC Fulfillment is a 100% woman-owned and operated business and has helped many small and mid-sized businesses solve their warehousing and order processing problems. We pride ourselves on our attention to detail as well as our excellent customer service. When you call us, you will always speak with someone who can help you solve your problem and not be asked to leave a message. Our personal touch and expertise separates us from the rest. Last year, we shipped over 150,000 packages for our customers, including order processing and shipping for the Jill Steals and Deals segment of the Today Show, saving our customers both time and money. If you would like to spend more time finding new products to sell, reaching new customers, and marketing your products, now is the time to call ABC Fulfillment. Please call 215-628-3150. Five, four, and ask for Eileen or Lisa to help you get started. Get your skinny water today at Acme. Great taste, zero guilt. And see how delicious a zero-calorie enhanced with vitamins and electrolytes can be. Because taste matters, doesn't it? Try skinny water today at Acme. At Bluebell Physical Therapy, our goal is to get you back in the game, back to work, and back to your normal way of life. Our highly respected team provides preventative and rehabilitation services from everyday physical and occupational therapy to post-operative rehab of your knees, shoulders, or spine. Bluebell Physical Therapy focuses on achieving each patient's maximum level of recovery. Bluebell Physical Therapy, the treatment you need for the therapist you trust. 
Building truly extraordinary custom homes and renovations is our passion at Cornell Custom. Each home is built with quality and care. We have earned a solid reputation for integrity, dependability, leadership, and value. If you are considering building a custom home or remodeling, Cornell Custom will be there with you through every step to bring your vision to life. Building a custom home is a labor of love that needs a commitment of time, attention to detail, and vision throughout the creative process. Cornell Custom will work together with you to guide you and ensure that every desire is met. For information in the New Jersey area, please contact Patty Djokovic at 856 856- 982-4514. If you're interested in the Pennsylvania area, you can call Rose Zeffirino at 908-419-1128. Wagmore Next Door is Skipback Animal Hospital's latest addition to help meet the needs of your pet. We're the only animal hospital in the Skipback and surrounding area now providing a doggy day camp and one-stop shopping for your pet's exercise and fun. Have you ever come home after a long day at work to find that your dog has eaten your favorite pair of underwear or socks, destroyed parts of your home, or shoplifted an entire chicken from the kitchen countertop? Leaving your dog home alone can be dangerous and life-threatening. Wagmore Next Door is fully supervised and operated by trained animal professionals. Here your dog will run and play with other dogs. Obedience training is also available and very popular. Your dog will go home tired, content, and happy. We have many packages to choose from to accommodate your work schedule, vacation schedule, and out-of-town schedule. For information, please call us at 610-584-6300, or you can visit our website, skipbackanimalhospital.com. You can also check out our Facebook page. We can't wait to see you. News Talk 1180-WFYL, streaming live at 1180-WFYL.com. For the better part of me, yeah, 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 yeah. I hang my head from sorrow so much. State of humanity, so wearing on my shoulders, gotta find strength in me. We are back in the studio today with um, Aaron Cochran, who is the creator and owner of a business called Revealing Redesign. And she's all about helping clients and customers with their spaces and trying to make them a more beautiful place to live and work. Erin, um, I, I wanted to go back for a moment. I When I was reading your profile, I noticed mm-hmm. in your bio that... Um, you mentioned you were raised in a house uh, full of chaos and clutter. Yes. And that was something that I that has stuck with you and also inspired you to get into this field. Can you tell me about that? Definitely, definitely. When when I was um when I first started my business, um you know, I I would read articles about other business owners and I I read all about Gary Havens who is the owner the start the man who started curves for women and and I thought that his story was so interesting and why I didn't know that this business that had been started by a by a man I that all this work to better women and help them I didn't know that either yeah it was started by a man mm-hmm. and so I found that fascinating as I read on about his life um, I I understand that at the age of 13, he went into his mother's bedroom to wake her up one morning. And his mother had been struggling with hypertension and um, a weight problem and depression. And when he went in in there that morning uh, to wake her, he found that she had passed away during the night. Wow. And it wasn't until he had been in business for many years that he realized that all of his efforts in business were an ongoing attempt to save his mother's life through the lives of other women. And so um, within the first year of my business, I just met with a client one day and had spent the whole day, this woman was overwhelmed with the state of her house and she was herself having problems with depression, all kinds of things. And I left her house that day 
with my car so full of donations for Goodwill, I, we had gotten rid of probably 10 to 15 trash bags full of stuff in the trash, as well as my car, my SUV being full of donations. Um, and I felt so unbelievably good. And I realized that this is not a normal reaction that people would have, that driving with your car full of junk for Goodwill would make you happy. But because of my and I realized that was why the Gary Haven story had really resonated with me is because that when I was a kid my mom didn't know how to make our house comfortable whenever somebody was about to come over it was always an embarrassment let's stash everything and you know we had a guest room that was full of piles of paper the things that hadn't been dealt with in a long time that people would just when somebody showed up the door or we knew we were having somebody come to visit things would get shoved in that room and and it just never felt good it was probably a hurried kind of stressful time when that was going on she didn't and I don't think that that's what she wanted but she didn't know how to change that right right and I think that it's so important in each of our lives to have a place that we go, our homes, ideally, that we feel restored, we feel rested, we feel that it reflects who we are. And then it helps us to go out in the world and do what we need to do and be ourselves and, and do the work that we're supposed to be doing in the world. Whereas if you're at home and you are always stressed out by clutter or just not feeling good about right, where you live. Right. It's not a source of pride for you. Right. Or maybe your house is just frustrating and you don't know why. Maybe you really don't know. You can't put your finger on it. That's really going to limit you, I think. I believe it, it doesn't help you to be more of yourself. It should be a respite. And, right. And it's it should. Not, it's not at all. It's right. uh so, and I also think it helps us to spend a lot more money because I know a lot of the clients that I've worked with, they didn't want to be home. So instead of being at home and cooking meals at home or just hanging out, they would leave every chance they got. They, they would were go, avoiding. Right. Yeah. Go out to eat, go out shopping, go anywhere, but be home. Right. Because being home, I, I don't know what to do here. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel like I can put my feet up. Right. I certainly don't want to have my friends over. So I think it has far-reaching implications in our lives. So, I mean, and to speak more about my life and my childhood, and, you know, as I said, my parents died when I was um, 18, 17, 18. I had, um, as a young person, I had two lifetimes worth of stuff to go through. Um, My father and mother divorced when I was young, and my father lived on the West Coast, so when he passed away, a, um, a service went and packed up his apartment in San Francisco. So um, when I was 19, I had an 18-wheeler delivered with all of his stuff to my first house that I bought. Wow. As a young, as a newly married girl, 19 years old, and an 18-wheeler full of stuff. And when they pack up someone's things who have passed away and there isn't a family member there, we're talking about boxes with everything in it. Every toiletry, every packet of ketchup that was in his fridge, everything was packed up and I had to go through it with my husband and and also help my stepfather go through the things from my mother's lifetime and decide what to do. Right. That's the flip side of of kind of living this way is that eventually someone else is going to have to handle it. Right. And I think that so often when I talk to people that are either helping their parents make the decision to downsize. I've been in that position too because I had to care for my grandmother um, late in her life and help her move into a nursing home. There's all of those decisions that have to be made. And especially if someone is ill or has passed away, you're already in emotional turmoil and then you have all of this stuff, which is emotionally loaded anyway. And you have to go through it and make these very difficult decisions. So it's it's better to do it earlier on right. and to realize that you aren't defined by your stuff. Right. You are you and your life, things that signify things that have happened in your past, it's okay to let them go. You don't have to hold on to things just to hold on to the sentiment. You have those memories. The possessions 
really aren't that important unless there's something that you really really love it's okay to let most of them go as you said if it's you look at that and it makes you feel good right it's worth having there right and chances are if your children have to then go through them they might not even know why you've held on to these things and they might not hold they might not have any meaning for your children right and it just is a lot of stuff that they have to wade through right and when you're doing that that's such a large task I know so many people who have had to do that definitely um you know, you're looking at one item and, and it is bringing you some joy perhaps. And then the next minute you're looking at an item and you're not knowing what to do with it. So it's a lot of up and down it's emotions. A lot of emotions. Uh, I think that that clutter in all of its forms is really just delayed decisions. And the reason we delay those decisions is because it's such a charged emotional decision. Right, exactly. And a lot of things that we keep up in the attic or down in the basement We've put there for a reason, maybe. And usually it was some sort of transition in our lives where those things didn't need to be out anymore. We didn't want to see them. So we put them away. So when you start to declutter, you're pulling these things out and you're reliving those memories. You're going through um, all of those items and handling them. And it's it's very, it's sort of like a wet blanket. Unless they're very happy memories, but a lot of times I deal with people that have gone through divorce. Maybe their children have left home. And those are, those are very difficult transitions. Right. And the things that we realize how much our life has changed and those possessions no longer are, we see how things are different now. Right. And that right. it's really, it's sort of a grieving process. Right. So... I think that it's important in terms of tips for when you're going through these transitions. And whenever we have life transitions, there's going to be stuff that we have to go through. We're going to have to go through clutter. When there's a baby that's grown up or children that have left the nest, divorce, death, all of those transitions, even renovations, we have a transition, we have to go through stuff. Um, You really need to be kind to yourself. You need to admit that this is a difficult process. Going through stuff is physically hard to do, and it's emotionally. And you want to make sure you work systematically in your house, that you're going to start at one point and and put on a timer. I I often say to people, depending on how much time you have to get ready to get rid of the stuff, if you're working towards a moving date or whatever – Give yourself a certain amount of time, even 15 minutes a day, to go through it. And only work in the area where you're working. Don't go from room to room. Work systematically. And when your timer goes off, stop. And have a place that you can go and put your feet up that is not in view of the stuff that you're sorting. Oh, I think that's so important. Yes. Yes. That way, you actually get to get away from it. You don't feel as overwhelmed. You need to be able to go have a glass of wine or a cup of tea at the end of your time and not be staring at it. Reminded. Right. And I think it's important that if we're doing this all throughout our life, because as you said, there are transitions. Many. Mm -hmm. And we go through, you know, different phases of our lives. And if we try to do this on a regular basis rather than waiting till the end of, you know, uh, an era... It will make it a lot easier. It is much easier in small doses. Right. And I think that um, we're so often told that, you know, we go out shopping. We do all these things that we have children. They bring papers into our house every day. Right. All it's the an time, ongoing it's thing yes. that's coming. And coming really for us. your house to be in equilibrium, things have to be going out all right. the time because things are always coming in. Right. So if you just look at it as just a part of life, which doesn't sound like much fun, I know. But right. really, like you're saying, Sue, in small doses, small it's doses. so much easier yeah. to deal with. Yeah, I, I I definitely do that. But then I get blamed for throwing things out. <laughs> 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 just about every day, my, va- They'll my family thank you later. Like, where's such a... S- oh, mom threw it out. <laughs> I didn't. I put it where it belongs. <laughs> it's definitely an ongoing battle. Definitely. Um, I think that also that we make the mistake of thinking that when we're frustrated with all the stuff, that the answer is that we need more space. And a lot of times people will call me and they'll say, hey, Aaron, would you come to my house? I think we're, we're contemplating putting on an addition. We really, we, the house is getting small for us. The house is getting smaller right, and smaller right. when it's really not. And, and so <laughs> the first thing I say to them when we meet is we go through and we talk about the spaces in their house and how they're using them. And nine times out of 10, they have a dining room they use four times a year, right. if that. They have a living room that no one ever sits in. They have a spare bedroom. All of these spaces that they're paying for every month with their mortgage that probably have stuff in them they never use. Mm -hmm. And it really comes down to rethinking how we live in our houses. And 
we don't need more space. We need to use the space we have more intelligently and intentionally. That's a really important thing to remember so that you don't add on and continue the behavior of having stuff around and not really being intentional about how we live in our houses. Yeah. Now, that's a great, um, great bit of advice that there are rooms in our homes that aren't being used and could be turned into a very useful space. Absolutely. One of my favorite clients last year, we you know their house they felt like it was bursting at the seams they knew that they didn't have the space or the money to add on what can we do and we took their their dining room which once again they only use twice a year and we made it a home office for them right and it totally changed the way they live in their house oh that's a great idea and it you know sort of you have to give up the idea of the formal dinner the norman rockwell kind of thing on thanksgiving but I don't really think that most of us will miss it. You have to think about um, the return, the, the, all the days of the year that you use your house, the percentage of which you're going to get enjoyment out of that right. room for a use that you need right? versus those couple of Kodak moments that we could find other ways to incorporate. Not only that, if you are if you have that sense of feeling organized and, and great in your space every day, those Absolutely. two days a year, you can throw a table in there That's and right. put a beautiful tablecloth on Absolutely it and, and true. use it. Absolutely you know? true. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, talking about all of this, it, it reminds me that um, you said that your business, you feel like it's, it's a calling for you. Mm-hmm. And it really is a calling. So it's so much more about... Um, helping other people really in their day-to-day lives than it is about picking paint colors. Uh, Definitely. And, and, you know, helping with drapery. Yes. Well, it's, like I said, it's very important for people to feel good about where they live. I mean, it's important for us to feel like we can extend ourselves and uh, have hospitality be part of our lives, that we can have people that we love and care about to our house and feel proud of our house. You can't do that if there's nowhere to sit or you don't feel good about it. Right. Uh, I just think that it's, for me, it makes sense because of my life and the way I, I, what I have experienced in my life. It just feels right to me. It it feels like, uh, it does feel like a calling to help other people sort of sort out these things that are getting in the way and sort of diagnose it correctly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, our our work is stressful enough. We don't need to be coming home to, you know. Stress. To stress. Yeah. Right. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, you also do commercial Mm-hmm. Uh, jobs mm-hmm. and and let's talk about some of those that you have done and and how they're they're different from a family situation. Yes, well, I've been asked to do waiting rooms for different radiology practices in the area, um, which has been very rewarding. And you figure that when you're waiting for a doctor's appointment, a lot of times you're sort of anticipating being uncomfortable. Maybe you're there because something really scary is going on with your health. Right. Um, and I think that. It's important that we think about the way our environment affects, as businesses, as medical practices, or we as patients, the environment really helps us to feel better or welcomed, Mm -hmm. all of those things. So it's been really fun for me to work on those projects so that the seating is comfortable, the colors are soothing, the artwork is beautiful. Um, a lot of times we choose landscapes with trees, things that sort of just are soothing so right. that you can Calming. feel relaxed. You have nice lighting. So you feel less like you're in, institu- in an institutional setting mm-hmm. that you can sort of calm down. Right. Um, I've been in doctor's offices where they haven't given a lot of thought to that, which is understandable. Sometimes we we see we miss the mark or we don't notice. You can't be good at everything. You They're can't, thinking absolutely. about the medical. Right. And um, I've had to wait for people in environments or myself, I've had procedures where you're sitting there and you're thinking, of course, I would notice it. That is what I do. (laughs) But it it can add to your stress level if there's lots of noise or the artwork is sort of too taste specific. Does that sound funny? But if it's sort of something that's more jarring or Mm -hmm. doesn't sort of blend in, very bright fluorescent lights, all of those things sort of help you to feel more on edge or... And I think it affects people, and they're not really um, aware of it sometimes. But right. I think it does affect your general state, of your emotional state. Yeah, d- absolutely. So tell me some of your favorite colors for those types of rooms. What mm. if you're if you're looking to for a very calming space? What colors do you? 
Well, usually use. the colors in nature. So some neutral greens, like very gray greens or um, some very gray blues. Not purple. <laughs> well, purple, purple can be soothing too. But something that, that reminds people of nature, that it doesn't, nothing too saturated or jarring, just sort of nice and neutral, but it still has a bit of a color. Right. And then you can add things in that have those same colors, like some beautiful trees and the artwork, things like that. Now, when you have a client who actually prefers the opposite Mm -hmm. of that, how do you deal with that? Are you able to? Definitely. Yes. If somebody loves color, I love very, that's always exciting to do. I love picking bold colors for people that really want that and, and making it all come together it's very vibrant and yeah. and lovely. I would. That's probably the key to being a good designer is being able to work with very different tastes. When it, you have your own taste, I'm absolutely. sure of what you feel. It's all about the client and being able to really listen to them and hear what it is that's frustrating them, and then hear what is that what it is that really speaks to them. So I think I have a very good ability to hear things that they may not are they might not even be saying out loud right Uh, right. so I can hear that and and also notice the things that they own what they seem to pick out I have oftentimes have people give me collections of pictures um, and just taking notice of what they have in their homes that have place of prominence and things like that right so real to really get at the heart of what they're trying to say I mean it's said that we've all written a memoir and our memoir is our house that you look around and that is our life story. And it's really um, my job to look at your memoir and hit the high notes that you want to hit, like um, have those parts of your story come to the forefront so that you really feel that it reflects you and what's important to you. Right. Because we shouldn't all have the same uh, design tastes Absolutely and colors not. and how boring no, would that be exactly exactly you want people to come into your home and have a sense of who you, what right. your life has been like um all of those things right and and feel that they know you better right. after having been in your home are there industries that you would like to get into that perhaps you haven't done you, you know you mentioned the doctor's offices are there any other commercial um, types of businesses that you feel you could help out? <laughs> I think so. I, w- I would be, uh, all of it, it's such a wonderful challenge. I've heard uh, different people say to me that they know of certain colleges in the area they would love to have me go and look at. That I w- All of that I'd be open That's to. That's a great field. We're, we're in the middle of the college search with my friend, with my friend, with my son, <laughs> who's also my friend. Yes, yes. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, so we've been visiting colleges. And honest to God, when I walk into some of the student centers, right. I say, oh, well, you should go to school here. It's beautiful. Look at this. Uh, isn't it funny? Yeah. And then Absolutely. others putting, you know, you know, paid attention to it. Having their best foot forward as an institution and making sure that they are giving the impression that they want to give. I mean, they wouldn't have somebody show up in a pair of ripped jeans for exactly. you know to interview a potential student yes um it's important that these environments as a parent i can only imagine i have a 14 year old i can't even imagine taking him to look at colleges yet but um thinking about feeling good in those environments and feeling like they've maintained the environment that they've that thought they about me enough. as a parent that it looks like it's clean that it looks like and artistic, too. I mean, mm-hmm. that's important to yes. feel like people have thought through what the environment is like. Yes. So that the people that are there are uplifted. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about uh, maybe one of the biggest challenges you've had in your work? Hmm. Maybe one of the, the toughest jobs challenges. without mentioning any names. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, referring to space, of course, not people. I yeah. think, yes, I think that always the biggest challenge is sort of to get people to relax especially as a part of a, a renovation, that renovations are about surrendering, that it's a long process. If you're going to gut your house and you're going to go uh, rework the spaces, that there is an element of surrender that you have to take on, that you have to accept the fact um, that your life is going to be in chaos for a little while. And um, put their trust in you. Put their trust in me. And to know that we're going to get it done, that if you start trying to rush through things and have things happen, pick materials and sort of force the issue, it's more important to get what you want than to 
um, get it all on time. Not that we're not working towards the deadline. However, it's sort of just accepting what is and making the best of it and knowing that the outcome will be great. Right. Being patient through the process. Right, right. It, it's something to, to look forward to and celebrate. It is, and enjoy. It's a short enjoy time in your it. life that you'll be, I mean, it's hard to enjoy having drywall dust everywhere. Right, But right. knowing that it's part of this wonderful rebirth. Exactly. Mm-hmm. An end result is there. Um, b- before we end the show, the great, great tips, great advice. Thank I'm you. sure there's going to be a lot of listeners who are I hope anxious so. to get in touch with you. So um, if you could give out your contact information for everyone listening, your website and perhaps your email, phone number? Yes. Um, I think the first thing I'd like to say is if people are looking for tips to go to my website, www.revealingredesign.com. And on there, you'll see a box where you can sign up for my weekly e-zine, which is like a newsletter. Great. And put your email in there, and then you'll start getting articles from me every week. And I go over all kinds of tips and ideas, just like we talked about today, and sort of give you a little bit of inspiration to get you started. Great. That's really important. That's a good place to start. If you want to call me directly, my um, business phone number is 484 904 3391. But definitely go to revealingredesign.com and sign up for the weekly newsletter. That will get you started. Okay. And, and an email address if they prefer? It is Erin, E-R-I-N, at revealingredesign.com. R-E-V-E-A-L-I-N-G-R-E-D-E-S-I-G-N. That's hard to spell. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much, Erin, for coming in today. Thank you, Sue. It was wonderful. We had a great time. And that's it for today, gang. Um, I'd like to give out my information one more time um, for anyone listening who has a business um, or something going on that you'd like to come in and share with our listeners. Again, my name is Susan Rocco, and my email is srocco233 at gmail.com, or feel free to give me a call at 215-313-5500. Six one. Have a great day. Searching for the better part of me.